Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. Today, we have a great guest on tap. Mike Randall is joining us, Public Information Officer for the SBA, to talk to us about how the SBA works when a natural disaster has been declared and how we can use the SBA with low-interest grants if you have incurred any kind of damage pertaining to your business and or your home. But before we bring on Mark, I want to bring on our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. Welcome back this week. Hey, how are you doing today? Fabulous. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I am loving the change in the weather. Oh, my goodness, yes. This is my favorite time of the year. Yes, it's it's not hot anymore, but it's not too, too cold. It's just crisp and it makes you want to pull out your boots and your sweaters and uh, pull out a, your favorite jacket, and uh, I'm excited. And then, of course, beautiful blue skies are just amazing. Yep. Well, we have uh, an amazing uh, show today with you. Um, we've had some great announcements coming out uh, in, in reference to the oil and gas industry that are positives, and um, I'm excited to start talking about it. Uh, Scott Pruitt, who is the EPA administrator, announced that his agency would no longer be engaging in the suit and settle process that Obama administration had made so popular over the last eight years. Tell me, what is the suit and settlement and why is it such a huge victory for the oil and gas and, quite frankly, probably for the American people, too? It is for the American people. It's, this is a racket, okay? this I wrote up. A piece several years ago about all this in which I compared it to one of Tony Soprano's rackets, you know, a, a crime family racket. And, and, and what it is, is uh, these environmental groups uh, file a lawsuit with the EPA and the EPA or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which governs the Endangered Species and Active One, can't meet the deadline to respond, which is typically 90 days, because the lawsuit or the, the complaint is so complex that they just can't get around to responding in 90 days. And so when they miss that deadline, uh, the environmentalist group like the Sierra Club or, or the World Wildlife Federation, Wild Earth Guardians, there's a bunch of them, they file a lawsuit in federal district court in which they uh, sue the agency for missing its deadline and not keeping up its part of, uh, of the regulatory process. And you go to court, and the agency doesn't want to defend itself because they're basically sympathetic uh, with the environmentalist group. They certainly were during the Obama years. And so they, they along with the judge, uh, who they have handpicked, you know, they go court shopping to find the right judge, enter into a consent decree in which the complaining environmentalist group is basically given everything it wants. And by the way, uh, the government is forced to reimburse the environmentalist group for their attorney's fees and other costs of, of pursuing the lawsuit. And so over the years, this all started in the mid-90s with the Clinton administration. Over the years, EPA has paid out more than $50 million in attorney's fees under this, this racket uh, that they've had going with these environmentalist groups. 
uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has paid out over $30 million, and some, several other agencies of the federal government. All told, the federal government's out over $100 million because of this sue and settle racket. And, um, yeah, Mr. Pruitt announced EPA will not be engaging in this anymore. We expect Secretary Ryan Zinke, the Secretary of Interior, to announce soon that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will not be engaging in this sue and settle racket anymore. And uh, we expect ultimately by the end of the year, the entire Trump administration will have directed all their agencies to no longer engage in this sort of thing because it's, you know, it's a racket. It's all, that's the best way to explain it. So some, so let me, let me uh, try to understand this. So you're saying that there are environmental groups and other groups that have made a business out of suing the United States government on a sue and settle type of process. This is their business model. So they know we are going to take a non-endangered species, but wrap around a whole bunch of concerns, sue the government. And of course we know that they're going to settle with this. And so we never get, have to prove it in court the way anybody, a normal person would have to prove their case in court because the government rolls over and says, okay, let's settle. And on top of that, let me pay you your attorney's fees. Is this what you're saying has been happening? Right. And so what's in it for the environmentalist group? Well, the environmentalist group then gets a kickback from the law firm that got uh, the settlement from the government, got its attorney's fees paid. And the law firm kicks back a portion of the settlement in the form of a contribution to the environmental group. Uh, It's a classic, you know, RICO kind of prosecutable racket uh, in any other realm of American society. But because it's these environmentalist groups and, and they've been engaged in this hand-in-glove practice with these federal agencies, uh, it never gets prosecuted. Well, now they're no longer going to be working hand-in-glove with the federal agencies, and uh, the racket is going to get shut down, and these law firms are going to have to go find another way to make money. Go find a real job. Well, but I want to be clear, because anytime you say the EPA and environmental groups specifically— I think as consumers, we think about it and say, oh, these are the groups, groups that protect us against the environment and bad government and big oil. And and so normally what, what I want to clarify is there are, I think, very valid uh, organizations that do study climate, um, how it impacts uh, the earth and all these things. I'm not trying to negate that some of these um, environmental agencies have great work that they do to a degree. But that's not what's happening here because what they were suing on, let's talk about some of the the lawsuits that they were uh, basically causing havoc for oil and gas companies. And were these really endangered species? Well, the, the best example in Texas is the uh, dune sagebrush lizard, uh, which is a species of lizard that exists in the tens of millions all over the Permian Basin in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. I mean, these lizards are everywhere, and they nest in disturbed dirt. And as anyone who's familiar with the industry knows, anytime you're going to drill a well, you have to go out there with a bulldozer and level off the ground, which creates all this soft dirt around for these lizards to come build their nests in. And so the Wild Earth Guardians uh, was a group that that brought uh, that listing proposal, along with 100 other listing proposals at the same time, to U.S. Fish and Wildlife several years ago. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife was not uh, able to, you know, and and the reason they identified this species is because it's not endangered, because it exists all over the place. 
And so they they try to get it listed under the rationale that, well, the oil and gas industry and other businesses are diminishing its habitat. Well, sure you are. Human development's diminishing its habitat because they're everywhere, right? So anything you build, any road you build, any building, you know, any oil well, is, yeah, diminishing their habitat. So what these groups are is really anti-development groups, okay? They don't, they want to stop human development. I mean, literally, that's their but agenda. But do these groups live in homes like the rest of us? I mean, like, I'm sure they have every <laughs> modern side, every modern thing. They probably drive a car and a house, sure. so, but they're, they're against modernization. Airplanes. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And they, you know, they wear polyester clothing and shoes made from petroleum products, and they probably wear makeup that's made from petroleum products and brush their teeth with toothpaste that is, you know, all of it, right? But exactly. they, you know, they don't care. They're hypocrites. Uh, this is how they've chosen to make their living in life is to try to stop human development. And uh, that's really, truly the agenda. I mean, they're, 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 the Wild Earth Guardian's president is a guy named Kieran Suckling. That's this guy's real name, and you can Google him and find all the stuff he said. He is not bashful about talking about what his group's true agenda is. I mean, he's got quotes all over the Internet. Uh, so you don't have to believe me. You can just go out and Google it for yourself and find out what these people are really all about. So I guess, in essence, the announcement from Scott Pruitt, there will mm-hmm. not be this sue and settle anymore process. If there really, truly is an endangered species, prove it, get it into court, make the government will be prepared, and from there, okay, because none of us want to see any uh, species not exist anymore. But that was not the case that was happening. These were non-endangered, just a way of creating havoc and, of course, a way of harming big oil, which, by the way, they can't. I don't I don't know. I don't think that they really like them too much. I think they like the wind and the solar. Sure. But, I mean, think about, think about that. I mean, think about these 700-foot-tall wind turbines they're building now. Well, the, to put those things up, you have to do exactly the same thing you do to, to prepare to drill an oil well. You have to go out there with a bulldozer, level off the ground, build a pad uh, with caliche before you can even write. And so you're you're doing the same thing with wind power. But David, they too also give off uh, admissions as well. And they're also killing hundreds yeah, of birds. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, where did you win? You, you spent a whole lot of energy to create these, and it's the same... In many ways, it's the same thing. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. So as we start peeling back the layers of what's going on with the EPA and, of course, the new way that uh, the Trump administration is doing business in uh, making sure that a lot of the nonsense that was happening with the Obama administration is is finally starting to be um, reeled in, if you will, and, and hopefully we get back to some common sense policies with our government. And and before we leave that topic, I want to let the listeners know that I'm going to put up a post on shellmag.com, our website, of a piece I wrote four years ago that explains this whole sue and settle process in in language everyone can understand. So it'll be out there by the time this show airs. And uh, if you have an interest in reading it, you can just go out to shellmag.com and it'll be there. Very good. Exactly. So you can get a lot more information on how in-depth this is by going to shellmag.com and clicking on uh, 
our blog. David, that's all the time we have this week. Time just flew by. Um, look forward to having well, you back. Well, I got all emotional about that subject. So, yeah, <laughs> Me <still> too. <laughs> Me too. I mean, prove your point and let's get on with it fine. But I am not for frivolous lawsuits because it just wastes <laughs> so much money. So, well, until next week, thank you for coming on the show and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks for having me. When we return, Mark Randall, public information officer for the SBA is up next. You are listening to it in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today our guest is Mark Randall, who is the lead public information officer for the SBA, uh, Small Business Administration. Mark, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having us and helping us to get the information out. Well, you know, we we ran into you guys and caught up with you all at a press conference a week or so back in Houston in which Linda McMahon, who is, of course, the administrator of the Small Business Administration, attended the event. It was a walkthrough of a large service company in which it had been affected by Hurricane Harvey. And it allowed us to really see what the SBA is really designed to do in trying to put companies back together that may or may not necessarily qualify for uh, FEMA or other types of resources. They look at the SBA. And so it was a great opportunity for us to see the type of work you guys do. But, uh, you know, when we were there, we realized, gee, there's a lot of information that if you can connect the dots, there's a lot of resources available to a a person in reference to their home and or a business. So I, I want to start with that. You're operating in, in in context to we have had a disaster. And so now y'all are moving into wearing that hat. So talk to me a little bit about the connection between FEMA and you guys and why do you all in a disaster moment work together? Um, because uh, when there's a presidential disaster declaration, FEMA is the coordinating agency for federal assistance. And that automatically triggers the Small Business Administration's SBA, our Low Interest Federal Loan Program. And the program, although our name is the Small Business Administration, is for businesses of any size that have had physical damage, as well as private nonprofit organizations and residents, residents being homeowners and renters. We have low interest federal loans to help people uh, recover from disaster and repair, replace their property damage. And then now just for small businesses and for the most private nonprofit organizations, we have loans that can help them with their working capital needs that were caused by the disaster, in this case, Hurricane Harvey. And I want to go to I want to go into some examples, if you will. So walk me through in what way would an individual, per se, 
might take advantage of the SBA because we typically have known the SBA to be the small business administration that usually does counseling for small businesses and or low interest grants. So how would an individual take advantage uh, right now? In the disaster scenario, uh, most of our loans, uh, federal loans are gonna be to residents and to individuals because more of them have been impacted. And these loans are to help them repair, replace the damage to their primary residence and their personal property. We can loan up to $200,000 to repair or replace their primary residence and up to 40,000 for their personal property, including vehicles. So, and by that uh, nature of the disaster, there's gonna be a lot more loans to homeowners and renters than there are to businesses because there's more of them impacted. However, for the businesses, we do have the loans for the physical damage, as I mentioned, for the large uh, businesses, as well as private nonprofit organizations and the small businesses. And then for um, rental property, that's considered a business. So if a person owns a, a rental property, they would come in as a business. And we're looking again to repair, replace their damage. These, All these loans are net of anything they receive for other recoveries. So we're not going to duplicate what they receive for insurance. And it's a process where they want to apply to FEMA for residents and apply to SBA, file for their insurance, file for any assistance available. Um, we've just found that by applying for everything concurrently, then they're going to know what they're able to qualify for, what they're eligible for, and then they use that in their recovery process. Okay, so um, let's say that we have an individual um, in the Houston area who did have homeowners but didn't necessarily have flood insurance, and they had some flood uh, uh, problems in, in their property and or maybe this is a homeowner who had insurance being covered but their vehicle was flooded and didn't necessarily have any kind of insurance except maybe general liability which is required so that would be a good candidate to apply for an SBA very low interest loan to get back on track and get everything situated back in their life correct that's correct and the good aspect about the uh, SBA disaster loans is there's no cost or fee to apply or no cost or fee associated with any aspect of it from SBA so when someone's been impacted, uh, there's no downside for them to go ahead and apply. It's always better to apply and find out if they're eligible, and then they can use that in their in their planning of the recovery. Uh, there's a lot of things. They don't have to wait for the insurance or to see if the insurance settles. We can do it subject to the insurance. And when the insurance comes in, we can adjust the loan for that. Uh, the important thing now is for people to come into the centers. We're at 63 centers throughout the impacted disaster declared counties. And we're there with FEMA and other people from the state and other uh, agencies that are assisting. And we have people there to actually help each applicant apply right there online. And then once they have been approved, then they can close their loan there. And in the meantime, if there's any information or they need to correspond with our processing center, they can come into the center there. We'll answer their questions and help them there. And if they choose, they can apply online from, uh, if they have access to online, they can apply online on their own as well. And then they can contact our 800 number which is 800-659-2955, 800-659-2955. If they call us, they can, we can tell them where the nearest center to them is. We can answer their questions, or they can go online at sba.gov and click on the ribbon at the top that says uh, Harvey information. Very good. Well, Mark, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 
87 years strong serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Visit our website, shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mark Randall, who is the lead public information officer for the Small Business Administration. Mark, before the break, we were discussing a little bit about the homeowners uh, renters that might actually qualify in reference to the SBA, which right now, because we're in a disaster, you guys are operating much differently than the traditional SBA that everybody kind of wraps their head around. Oh, they can't help me because they just loan, you know, money to businesses. Not true right now because of Hurricane Harvey and the disaster that everyone is facing. And luckily, the federal government with FEMA and SBA is there to try to help everyone, including homeowners, renters, get their life back on track. Before the break, we were talking about the uh, different ways that someone can submit their data, and so they can do it uh, by an 800 number, and we'll have these numbers at the end of the show. They can also submit their information online. They can also go directly into 63 different counties or different areas in Texas, that are little counties where they can go in there and apply and submit in uh, reimbursement. But I also want to cover that you said that a lot of times people get it, I think we're just groomed naturally, like do not submit a claim because if you submit a claim, you will be penalized. Rather, it's, you know, if you had a minor wreck with your car or uh, you've had some hail damage to your home, it's like the, this is the last thing that you want to do because you believe you're uh, going to get canceled possibly or your insurance might go up. Um, but this is not the case right now. This is, you need to apply. Um, you need to, you, you really don't know what you are eligible to receive uh, right now that there's a lot of insurance uh, that are all these different insurance companies and FEMA are having to sort things out. It's taken a little, little bit longer. Um, there is a deadline. So what, what I'm trying to get to is that 
It is it your recommendation that even if there are individuals who do not think they need this, they should still apply? Uh, absolutely. And the reason why is because there's a lot of, of things that um, people aren't aware of yet, maybe some hidden damage or some things that they thought would be covered, or maybe they thought they had some resources or some ability to do some work themselves. And then what happens um, 90 days from now is they find out that that's not there. And if they haven't applied, that's not a good scenario because we're not able to accept our application without some kind of substantial uh, circumstances beyond their control that kept them from filing. We've had this happen on, on meetings and then we have people that tell us, hey, you told me to apply and I didn't think I needed it, but I did. And I didn't need it, so I'm okay. Or they say, you had me apply and I didn't think I needed it, but then I did. I'm really glad I did. And those are okay. We just don't want them to say, well, I didn't apply and then then it's not available to them. Right. And I want to cover that because there is a very important deadline that is approaching what in like less than two weeks. I mean, it is it is around the corner. Yes. October 24th is the, the deadline to apply uh, to register with FEMA and to apply to SBA. And I want to clarify one thing on a you can apply online or you can apply with us at the center or you can go online and, and print out a paper application do that way. But that's going to take uh, the mail. And, and that's usually people don't want to choose that. Most 99 percent are all online. Uh, the, the phone number is just to find out where we're at. You can't actually apply online. But if you had a question while you're applying online, you could call and they can answer your question about your process. Perfect. So homeowners and renters that may not even know they have a potential problem uh, should still be taking advantage of this since it relatively is not going to affect their insurance in any way. They're not going to have a negative impact in any way. This isn't going to affect them in a negative way. So they should take advantage of this opportunity to register with FEMA and potentially the SBA and being able to get their lives back on track past Hurricane Harvey. I I, want to switch gears a little bit, Mark, and talk a little bit about now the small businesses and business owners that have been impacted. You know, not everyone is a Fortune 500 publicly traded company that has access to millions and millions of dollars to jump to another location if they've been flooded out and or have access to uh, just going and uh, leasing another building, if you will, that has 500 suites. Um, We saw in Hurricane Harvey a lot of apartments um, received secondary damage pertaining to like mold. Uh, So while the structure was still there, they had water damage on the inside. Uh, There's a roof and windstorm in the coastal bin area. Um, And so um, a lot of the businesses that are being affected are the small, most vulnerable, all the way up to the mid-sized companies that were not prepared for this disaster. And so they have some form of of, uh, insurance, business insurance, but maybe not anything to cover this. So when we return from break, I want to get into all those different scenarios for the business owners and and how they can uh, interact with the SBA and not in the traditional way that we typically tend to look at the SBA. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. 
PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com to learn more. And we're back. You're listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mark Randall, who is the lead public information officer for the Small Business Administration. And Mark, before the break, we we were talking about the small, very vulnerable, uh, one, two person type of office all the way up to uh, mid-sized businesses that uh, were not necessarily prepared for Hurricane Harvey and um, are feeling uh, a lot of stress right now of how do I get my business back online. I've had a lot of product damage. It's been flooded. My building, um, my building is, 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 is asking me to leave because they have to do repairs because it's got a flood damage in it. And traditionally, a lot of businesses think of the SBA as uh, they will go in and they will get great counseling on how to be excellent business owners. And then of course, applying for a traditional uh, loan through the SBA through their financial institution or banking institution this is different this is a you're dealing with businesses that are dealing with a federal disaster or or have been designated as a federal disaster tell me the differences and tell me who are the ideal people to be applying with the sba right now well the difference is is in the normal um, non-disaster sba the loans come from commercial lenders and sba provides a guarantee on the loans And those are loans to expand a business, to um, start a new business, those type of things. In this scenario of disasters, SBA uh, low interest federal disaster loans are the primary source of federal assistance for private property owners to repair, replace their private property that's been damaged in a declared disaster as such we have here. And that could be a business again of any size. Now, for the small businesses, there's a key aspect of this. For the small businesses, we're also, and most private nonprofits, we're able to offer working capital for their disaster cause working capital needs. So if they're not able to meet their overhead, their payroll, and those type expenses that they would have been able to meet had the disaster not occurred, we can provide working capital loans to help them get back to normal. It's all geared at re- repairing or replacing the property back to the way it was prior to disaster and providing their working capital to get them through the impact of the disaster. And so if it's um, the overhead and, and making sure they meet payroll, what about, um, is it also there for, let's say, that there is uh, 
a smaller business, uh, maybe it's a tire shop or an auto parts, and their building has sustained a lot of damage due to the flood or wind, and they're having to relocate uh, for whatever the reason. Um, this is another great opportunity for them to look at the SBA because it's not necessarily do, uh, covering overhead, but it's more of product loss and then, of course, to having to move the company to another safer and a more secure building, correct? That's correct. And that's why it's important for them to apply. And then if we're able to approve a loan, if they're not able to be in the same location, and this would go for a, a residence or a business, if they're not able to be in the same location, they need to tell us about um, the relocation. If it's, if it's mandatory, they're not able to rebuild, or if they're not able to, because as you say, the landlord is not repairing their property. Um, so whatever the circumstances are, we'll tell them and they may be able to have eligibility to relocate their business and to, to keep it going. And that's a, that's a key aspect of it. Um, it could be that they've already spent a lot of money on uh, some repairs and, and their business. They've already run up a credit line uh, that they normally would pay down. So then we want to know about all those aspects, all the expenses they've already had, that maybe now they're thinking, oh, gee, it's going to be more than we thought. We're not going to be able to deal with this. So it's important for them to apply to us. And then we're going to look and see what they're eligible for in the way of repairing their property or the working capital needs. We don't loan for lost profits or lost sales, but for those working capital needs that they would have been able to have to cover had the disaster not occurred. Right. Now, when, you know, normally when you uh, were discussing that uh, if you've been engaging with the SBA, you're going through your commercial lender, there's always a lot of documentation, paperwork, and of course, time. Uh, and so this, because it's a natural disaster, what are the time windows that you guys kind of look at to process a claim, if you will? I mean, these, from what I'm understanding, it's pretty quick. So walk me through that process. What can somebody expect? And, and this has been a, a major disaster and uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, businesses and residents impacted. So we have a huge amount of loans. Now I can tell you on the one side, we've approved $1.2 billion in disaster loans so far. Uh, we've done it at unprecedented levels. We do, are doing everything we can to expedite the process. At this time, we're looking at up to four weeks to get, come to a decision uh, on, the, on the loan. So we're doing the things as fast as we can. If we're not able to offer a loan to the residents, it's another reason for them to apply. If for residents, we refer them back to FEMA for possible additional grant assistance. So there's another reason for them to apply. Um, there's no referral back for businesses because there's no direct assistance uh, from FEMA for businesses. So we're going to make every effort now. Once we've, it's a three-step process. Once we they need to apply, then we're going to make the decision. And then the next step is going to be disbursement and closing the loan, which they can again do at any of the loan centers we have here. And then we're going to disperse the, the money in, in similar to a, a construction loan and a progress payments. We're going to uh, disperse so much. Then we're going to say, all right, where's your receipts for what we dispersed? And we'll disperse the next amount. So it's a, it's a communication thing at that point, them communicating to us what they're going to need and when they're going to need it, and then providing the documentation. We have to document uh, everything uh, because, again, we're they're federal loans, so we have a stewardship to the taxpayers as well as to the those impacted by the disaster. And we're going to look for repayment ability. And we define repayment ability as a willingness and ability to repay a loan. So we're looking at cash flow. Is there enough cash flow in the in the home, or in the for the resident or for the business to pay a, a, a loan payment for a disaster loan? Now the good thing about the payments is for those businesses that have been impacted, they're going to be deferred until they get back to normal in their sales. 
for the residents are going to be deferred also to give them a lot time to get the re, uh, project done and rebuilt. So there's a deferral period of anywhere from five to 12 months. Um, and again, if they communicate with us, if they need uh, additional consideration, we can make additional consideration on that. That is so great. We do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, Call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. We're back. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mark Randall, Lead Public Information Officer with the SBA. Mark, before the break, uh, we you gave us a lot of great information. I want to come back to a couple of... Uh, very important uh, areas that I'd like to really get into with you on uh, the deferred payments. So you said before the break that it's nice that if they get approved for a loan, a, a business, they're not going to be expected to pay it the following month. Because I would think that most people are kind of overwhelmed if their business is, is not running the way it was running prior to Harvey, Hurricane Harvey. So you're going to have a deferral payment process. Let's go through that real quick. What What is uh, the time window that they'll begin to start repaying? Well, well, generally, depending on the, the amount of uh, size of the, the project, the uncompensated loss that they have, and what we're looking at, there's going to be a deferment of the first payment. That's five months from the date of the note or 12 months from the date of the note. One of those criteria, depending on uh, the amount of damage. Now, if they need additional, they need to let us know about what the circumstances are of so why they would need it, and we can address if we're able to do that. The, the key there is um, also the loans are simple interest. So the interest is only accruing once you receive the money. Unlike a con- uh, conventional loan where as soon as you're approved, the money goes in your account and you start accruing interest. They may, they may not need the money right away because they may not have a contractor that can do it right away. So they can tell us to hold off on the disbursement. And then when they're ready, they will make the disbursements so that they're not accruing interest until they're actually using the money. So it's a very good uh a beneficial program to help them again get back to normal. What are you know? It, it it's so nice to see this working so fast and so smoothly. When you're saying that you could, the average loan that is being submitted right now due to the hurricane is about four weeks, and we if you've ever dealt with the bank and applying for an SBA loan, you know that this could go into months, and you still don't know if you've been approved or not. Just to hear down the road, you know, no, you haven't been approved, which has been a been a problem for a lot of small business owners the fact that you guys are cutting through the red tape so quickly and the business is going directly to the SBA because they've been affected in some kind of hardship pertaining to Harvey what type of interest rates do you guys have most of our home loans are going to be at 1.75 percent and most of the business loans are going to be at 3.3 percent there is um, uh, again most of our loans are processed at those rates there is a, a market rate loan that's basically for someone who is, uh, based on their financial information, they're very strong financially. Uh, they sometimes look very little damage, very little to overcome, and then they may get a, a market rate. But again, most of our loans are, are going to be at um, about, I think it's running about 87%. We're at the 1.75 or the 3.3. 
And then what about, um, you know, you guys gave out about $1.2 billion since Harvey has hit. That's just an enormous amount of money, meaning you guys are processing these loans like crazy, like lightning speed. Where more or less uh, do you, I, you might not know the breakout, but where more or less are these loans being distributed, do you feel? Uh, who's taking advantage of these loans right now? Who knows uh, to apply for the SBA? Well, in the, generally the hardest hit areas, which would be ground zero down in the uh, Corpus Christi uh, Rockport area. Um, of course, the uh, Harris County Houston area was heavily hit. Um, the uh, north end of Galveston County was heavily hit. And also the uh, the Beaumont area was heavily hit out that way. So the areas that were, the, there was a more of a concentration of damage is where there's a, a heavier concentration of approvals for SBA loans. Interesting. Well, you know, obviously with it, you know, Houston being so, Hard hit, and of course we are in uh, we're an oil and gas show primarily talking about a lot of oil and gas stuff. Uh, that's a pretty important resource when you look at uh, what the oil and gas contributes in the way of uh, severance taxes and stuff to the whole state in which we all enjoy. So we don't want our oil companies uh, down for long periods of times or refineries. You know that has an impact on us all. <laughs> whether we realize it or not, but it's true. So we have a very important deadline again, too, that I want to make sure that we cover. Um, and then how do people apply? If We can go through that. Okay, the deadline to apply is October 24th for physical damage. That's for both homeowners and renters and businesses of any size as well as private nonprofits. And the key, again, is it's there's no cost or obligation to apply. There's really no downside. But by applying... People are going to find out if we're able to help them, and then they'll have that to use in their planning and their implementing of their recovery. And where, if somebody wants to apply before October 24th, uh, you said that they can go to a facility, which you have 63, all around the the areas that have been hit with natural disaster or Hurricane Harvey. Uh, They can also call a phone number if you'll give us that. And then also, where can they go and apply online? Okay. Um, first of all, the phone number is 800-659-2955. That's 800-659-2955. And our 63 centers are, we're at all the federal state disaster recovery centers throughout the area. If they call that number, they can find out where they are, or they can go online to sba.gov, click on the ribbon at the top that says information on Hurricane Harvey, click on there, and they can find our locations. They can find other information um, again, they can apply online if they like at that same thing. There's a, a button on there for them to just get the application online and do that. If they have any questions while they're doing that, they can call into our 800 number. Or if they want to come right in the center, we're going to help them with that process. We're here to really help them with the process. Well, uh, Mark, I just have to tell you, thank you for coming on the show today. There have been a lot of people that have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. Um, and this has been a very difficult time for Texas. But uh, what we saw was Texas came together and helped one another in our hour of need. However, uh, the one thing that we do need to remember is that we have this deadline approaching 1024 and you do not know if you might possibly need federal assistance. So I highly encourage everyone to go online or to visit a center and make sure that they are actually getting into the system before October 24th. Because if you miss that deadline, then you have to get an exception, and that's not easy to do. So don't miss this opportunity. Get online uh, with SBA. Make sure you get your information in there. Uh, and if you don't need it, you don't need it. But if you do, you do. 
Once again, Mark, thank you so very much for being a guest on our show. Uh, and we look forward to having you back, hopefully after everything settles down. So maybe we can talk some numbers of what was really given out and who really uh, was, it was a game changer for them. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate you helping us. Thank you, Mark, for being a guest today. Be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com and win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's question is, what is the deadline date to submit in for disaster relief? Remember to be the first to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you will win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse. Well, that's all the time we have for this show, but be sure to like us. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show, or just follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas business and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.